Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, folks. Happy New Year. Welcome back to the podcast. Maybe one of your New Year's resolutions is to improve your English. And uh, certainly my podcast can help you do that. You also might consider using the services of my sponsor, and that is italki. With italki, you can arrange to have one-to-one lessons and conversations with native speakers and trained, qualified teachers online using software like Skype. So it's basically like having an English teacher right there uh, in the comfort of your own home. And uh, it's a great way to work on your speaking, your fluency and other aspects of your English. So why not put your best foot forwards and uh, consider uh, buying some lessons or talking time with italki and that can really improve your English going forwards for the rest of this year. Thank you so much for listening to this little sponsored message. Let's now move on to the proper part of the episode. And here it is. Here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there, and welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. I hope you're doing fine wherever you are in the world. I'm back from my holiday, and I'm now ready to record a new episode for you. And here it is. This is it right now. It's actually happening and you're actually listening to it with your actual ears, which should be connected to your actual head, which contains your very real brain, which is processing sentences as you are hearing them right now. Welcome back to the podcast. I have listeners all over the world. You're all welcome, of course. Let's have a little look at uh, my top 10 countries Right at the beginning of this episode, let's have a look at my top 10 countries for 2019, last year, to get a sample of where my audience is located. So in 10th position, we have Italy there. Then in 9th position, it's um, Republic of Korea, which I assume is what, South Korea? Uh, I suppose so. Germany in, uh, what's that, 10th, 9th, 8th position. Poland in 7th position. The United States in 6th position, for some reason. Uh, If you are a listener from the USA... Why do you listen to this podcast? Or maybe it's people learning English who are living in the States. Or maybe it's just NSA agents monitoring everything on the internet. And there's just guys like Agent Smith from The Matrix just listening to this right now going, I hate my job. Anyway, if there are any NSA agents or indeed agents from any country listening to this, hello. I hope that the whole espionage spying thing is working out for you. Uh, So anyway, the United States, they're in sixth position. Um, maybe it's American people who just like listening to sort of British English stuff. I don't know. Get in the comments section and let us know uh, why you're listening to this podcast. Fifth position. So top five now. In fifth place, we have Spain. Then similarly to the United States, we've got the United Kingdom there in fourth place. I don't know if that's British people listening for some weird reason. Or maybe it's just sort of foreign students living in the UK who uh, need to improve their English. Uh, Then the top three in third position for 2019, we had Japan. Then it's always it's always between these two. It's a bit like the Olympics or something. The last two, the last three usually kind of compete quite closely to each other. But in second place last year was China. And then in the top spot uh, for 2019 was the Russian Federation there. Uh, usually coming in quite strong in the uh, in the numbers. Uh, if we have a look at the top 10, I think it's one, two, three, I think it's 10, one, two, three, anyway, the top episodes from last year. So these were the most popular ones, the ones that got listened to the most. Uh, and we had, uh, what is Luke's English podcast and how can it improve your English? That was actually the episode I recorded um, around this time last year. So it's a kind of introduction to the podcast and some specific examples of how you can use this podcast to help with your English. Then we had the alternative British citizenship tests with Paul Taylor, sort of funny uh, looks at uh, British citizenship 
citizenship and what that really means. An episode of the Rick Thompson Report in uh, 10th and 8th position, always a popular favourite. I often get messages from people asking for uh, episodes of the Rick Thompson Report to kind of explain what's going on with Brexit. Um, I didn't get a chance to do a Rick Thompson report with my dad during the holiday, but uh, we can always do one on Skype. And uh, we have been thinking about one because obviously the the, uh, election happened and stuff like that. A lot of stuff going on in the UK. Um, the London Native Speaker Interview Revisited episodes were quite popular. Two of them in the top 10. Those were ones where I went through some videos I recorded 10 years before and kind of break them down for language and sort of comment on what happens in the videos. Um, six Episode 618, The Climate Crisis Explained, was a popular one for obvious reasons. Also, the UK versus US slang game uh, which was a kind of a fun game where I tested an American podcaster on her uh, knowledge of British slang. And also I made a premium episode about that using lots of the language that came up. Not the slang stuff, just the everyday global English that we used in the conversation. Then the top three episodes. Um, the third one was The Importance of Listening, which is all about how you can use this podcast and other resources for improving your English through listening with some specific tips and approaches. Uh, And then the top two episodes both feature my brother, James. So he was the kind of um, the sort of unsung hero of the podcast last year, it seems. Maybe the kind of um, the the little secret favourite there, the ninja's uh, favourite guest potentially, because um, episode 606, which was called The English Seaside with James, where we talked about all aspects of the culture around the English seaside. And then the top episode from last year was February's um, Upload, which was talking about comedy books and music, I think it was, with James. And so then there again, James in the in the top spot. So those were the popular episodes and uh, most uh, sort of downloaded countries from last year. But uh, anyway, here is the first episode of 2020 or 2020, as I suppose we're going to be calling it. And also this decade, the first episode of the decade as well. And what will we be calling this decade? The 20s, I suppose. The 20s, which is extraordinary, really. It didn't seem that long ago that we had the 1920s. But here here we are with the 2020s. We'll be calling them the 20s or the 2020s, I suppose. So um, in this one, I'm going to do a few things, including welcoming any new listeners that I have here at the beginning of this decade. I'm going to give a reminder about the aims and methods of this podcast for learning English. I'm going to talk about what I did during the Christmas holiday. So there'll be a couple of stories and sort of anecdote type things. I'll give an update on my daughter's English progress, give some news about the podcast and upcoming episodes, some New Year's resolutions, a comment about one of my heroes who died on the 29th of December, and a few other bits and pieces. This might get long, so it could be a double ramble. We will see. So anyway, how are you? How are you out there in podcast land? Where are you, in fact? Well, we, we, we have established that you may be in one of those top 10 countries, but in fact, that's only the top 10 of 227 entries. So there are another 117 countries out there that you might be from. And what are you doing? I mean, uh, while you're listening to this, obviously you're listening to Luke's English podcast, but uh, I suppose you're listening with headphones on. Maybe you're doing something else. You could be out and about walking around, maybe driving. You could be on public transport. You might be at work listening secretly when you should be working. Or maybe you're just sort of sitting there in a nice, comfortable leather armchair, drinking a glass of brandy. And hmm, I think I shall listen to Luke's English podcast, the latest offering from Luke Thompson. Maybe that's what you're doing. What's the weather like where you are? Here, in Paris, where I live, because I live in France these days, uh, here the weather is lovely. It's my favourite kind of weather. Beautiful blue sky and a kind of a crisp chill in the air, which is exactly how I like it. Sunny blue sky, but quite chilly. That's my kind of weather because I'm from England. Um, and so what about the weather where you are? Is it freezing cold or is basically the, the, the whole place kind of on fire? Uh, I wonder what it's like. It's certainly been less cold this year than in previous years. In fact, I haven't had to get out the big thick coat and the gloves and the scarf. I haven't had to wear any of that stuff. It hasn't really been that cold. Um, I've just been going along in my sort of autumn uh, jacket. But anyway, what's the weather like there? How are you listening to this? Are you listening to this on your phone? Maybe you're using a podcasting app on your phone. It could even be the Luke's English podcast app, 
Or maybe you're listening through some other sort of source, like maybe Spotify or something like that. Maybe you're listening at your computer. Maybe you're on my website and you're using one of the media players on the website there to listen. I wonder how you are listening to this. How long have you been listening to the podcast as well? Is this the first episode that you've ever heard? Is this it? Is this your introduction to Luke's English podcast? Or have you been with me for a while? I've been doing this since 2009. I wonder if I have anyone out there who's still listening here uh, nearly 11 years later. I wonder if they're, how are you? Are you okay? Imagine you're kind of stuck in a room like, oh, I need food and water help. Uh, I don't know how you're getting on, but uh, if you've stuck with me this far, then that's great. As we enter, what is this, the third decade of Luke's English podcast when you think about it? Because there was the noughties, because I started this in 2009, and then there was the teens or whatever it was we called them the whole decade and now we are into a third decade so it's actually the third decade of Luke's English podcast um how how about your English how's your English doing do you feel a bit rusty or something during the holiday you need to kind of get your English back on track well here's a new episode for you to get your teeth stuck into to get your ears to wrap your ears around it's not really an expression anyway new year new decade new start here's a here is here it are New year, new decade, new start. Here's to fresh new challenges for the 2020s and to another decade of listening to English with this podcast. I'm looking forward to making more and more episodes this year and into the future. And I can't wait to actually take ideas that are swimming around in my head and make them happen in upcoming episodes of this podcast. So many things to talk about, so many things to do, so much English to teach you. Right, so by the way, I'm reading most of this from a script that I've been writing for a couple of weeks. Probably 75%, maybe more than that, actually. I'd say about 90% of this episode is transcribed in advance, and the rest is being read from notes. And you can find all those transcripts and notes on those on, on my website, teacherluke.co.uk. Go to the episode archive, find number 634, and that's where you'll find most of this transcribed word for word. So you can listen and read at the same time. You can check words and all that stuff. So I haven't been able to podcast during the last three weeks or so. But in spare moments, I've been writing notes in a Google document on my computer and on my phone. And I've put them together. I've put these notes together to make a sort of transcript for the episode. You can find the transcript on the page for the episode in the archive at teacherluke.co.uk. You're listening to episode 634. So happy new year. I haven't said that to you yet. Happy New Year. I hope you had a good celebration. Um, I expect that New Year is a bigger celebration around the world than Christmas. Usually at this time, certainly in December, I start thinking about, oh, what's my Christmas episode going to be? But maybe the New Year episode is, is a bigger thing around the world. Certainly in my experience living in other countries, I've noticed that New Year's Eve is recognised all over the world as the big event with fireworks in all the major cities and so on. It's pretty cool. So New Year is probably the bigger one. So I wonder what you did out there in podcast land. What are the typical things that happen on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day in your country? As ever, I suggest that you jump into the comments section and let us know. So in the UK, it sort of depends on your age. We do have firework displays um, in um, like most sort of cities, uh, even towns or even people in their gardens will do some sort of firework thing uh, on New Year's Eve. Uh, but it kind of depends on your age. There's a lot of parties that, that happen. A lot of people get together with their families. And then also a lot of people go out. When I was younger, New Year's Eve for me in England, um, when I was sort of in my 20s or something, it was sort of mandatory to go out to a party or a club or something And when you get back to college or work, you know, in January, everyone's asking each other what they did for New Year's. Oh, what did you do for New Year's? Did you have a good New Year's? I remember many occasions when I went out in the centre of town with some mates for a kind of nightmare evening of loud music, too much drinking, singing, hugging, shaking hands, and an impossible mission of getting back home to bed when all the public transport is closed and the taxis are all taken. Either that or kind of falling asleep on a sofa or on the floor at some kind of party and it's freezing cold because it's the 1st of January. Um, I actually had a very quiet New Year's Eve this year. Um, I generally don't like to do much on New Year's Eve these days. Maybe because I'm so boring now. You know, I'd like to just sit in a nice armchair 
uh, with a pair of slippers on by the fire, uh, maybe smoking a pipe and uh, drinking a glass of whiskey and reading the day's papers and then, you know, maybe watching some coverage from the BBC on the television or listen to it on the radio. So maybe it's because I'm so boring now or because it's I just like the company of friends or family at home to see out the old decade and to see in the new one in some comfort. Also, the fact that we've got a two-year-old daughter can make it a little bit more tricky to go out and party like I used to. Anyway, this year I was in. Uh, my wife had gone back to Paris a little bit early. So I was at my parents' house. Uh, my mum went to bed to get her energy back. And so dad and I sat up and from about 11pm we started podcasting, recording a conversation about some of his favourite aspects of Britain, which will be coming in an episode soon. So we were actually podcasting while Big Ben counted down to midnight and you'll be able to hear it uh, very soon on the podcast. So I'd like to actually, first of all, I say first of all, I've already been talking for nearly 15 minutes. But anyway, I'd like to welcome any new listeners that I have. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Luke, and this is my podcast for learners of English. I expect that you found the podcast by searching things like iTunes or Spotify for podcasts for learning English, or maybe a friend recommended it to you or something. Uh, Leave a comment in the comment section saying how you found the podcast. So I've been doing this for more than 10 years now, and I've been teaching English for nearly 20 years now. This podcast has won awards, don't you know? Yep, four awards based on audience votes. They were Macmillan Dictionary Awards, a British Council Elton nomination, and I came third in the British Podcast Awards in 2017. That's actually third out of like all the podcasts in the country, um, beating some of the, the, the big podcasts that I listen to. So that was not bad at all. Um, but my audience is mostly around the world. In these episodes, I talk about all sorts of things, but the main aim is to help you improve your English through listening. The principle is twofold. Firstly, we all know that doing plenty of listening in the target language is a vital part of developing your English. You can't expect to learn a language unless you actually listen to it to get to know how it sounds, the rhythms of English, and also the typical ways in which it's structured. You need to do plenty of listening regularly, long term, and hopefully this podcast can help you achieve just that. In each episode, you have to just... uh, Try to follow what I'm saying or to follow a conversation with someone else and just try to keep up. I try to make my episodes entertaining as well as educational. I think uh, I, I talk about learning English. I give tips and advice, but also talk about loads of other topics in some depth to give you a chance to hear a range of different uh, vocabulary. I also just kind of sometimes talk about aspects of my life because I think that personalised content um, somehow is a bit more engaging rather than the kind of topic-based stuff that you might find in, you know, course books, which I think are great, though. Uh, I find this sort of maybe the personalised approach where I'm kind of welcoming you into my life and you it's imagine you can imagine that we're sitting together, I'm just chatting to you, that that personalised approach helps you to develop a more personalised form of English in return. So the second part of the principle here is that you can also develop your vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation a lot through listening. The grammar and vocab come from both trying to notice uh, new language uh, while while you're listening and from the episodes in which I'm specifically teaching or explaining new language to you. The pronunciation part comes from copying me, shadowing me and doing the pronunciation drills that I also publish. I also have a premium subscription in which I specifically teach language and give you plenty of pronunciation practice. So if you keep up with my episodes, follow the advice I give, enjoy the different topics and conversations and follow my instructions for working on your English, you should find that your English improves accordingly. Of course, this podcast is best consumed as part of a balanced diet. I mean, it's also necessary to practice your speaking, your reading and your writing too in active ways. You could check out my sponsor, italki, for the speaking practice and check out my episode archive for plenty of other episodes in which I give specific advice about other areas of your English and also for specific things like the IELTS test. The best way to listen to my podcast, I think, is through the Luke's English Podcast app, which is available free in the App Store on your phone. With the app, you have the whole archive I think on iTunes, you don't have the entire archive, but you do in the app. Uh, You also get some app-only episodes, and you can access the premium content through the app. When you listen with a podcast app on your phone, the app will remember where you stopped listening. 
So if it's a long episode, you can just pause at some point, like, for example, at the end of your morning commute to work. You travel to work. Let's say it takes half an hour. You pause after, after half an hour. And when, you press, and when you press play again, like, for example, at the end of your working day, the episode will continue where you left off. So, so a podcast app is definitely the best way to listen to podcasts. And I know mine can be long, but that's not an issue if, you, if you're using a podcast app. Also on YouTube, you can check most of my episodes just the audio, but with some videos too. And there you can find the automatic subtitles, which are 99% accurate. I also have a transcription project done through my website in which a team of keen Lepsters, and Lepsters are listeners to this podcast, transcribe my episodes by dividing each one into three-minute chunks. Then each member of the team transcribes his or her chunk And the whole episode is then completed. After that, the more high-level listeners proofread the scripts, the end goal being for me to eventually publish them on my website or turn them into an e-book or something. Transcribing three-minute chunks of my episodes is an excellent way to work on your skills, as it requires a lot of things. Being able to listen intensely for every single word, being able to recognise different words and phrases and how they're actually said by native speakers, being able to write with correct spelling, grammar and pronunciation, being able to reproduce exactly what you hear. It's great training for your English. Um, And you can get involved in the transcription project. Uh, There's actually two teams. There's the Orion team. Uh, and they're responsible for doing the transcriptions in three-minute chunks. You have to make sure you follow the rules. There's some very simple rules that help to make this whole thing run smoothly. Go to my website and check transcripts and make sure you've read the rules before you get started. It's very simple. We use Google Documents. Um, So, okay, so that's the Orion team. Also, there's the Andromeda team. Um, And these teams are named by Antonio, one of the sort of managers of the transcription project because they're both constellations of stars and it's basically his way of saying that everyone who works on the project is a star in their own in their own way which is nice isn't it the andromeda team is responsible for proofreading transcripts which have been made by the orion team so it's a it's a nice thing that we've got going on and actually a surprising number of lepsters are involved in this and it's working really well there's a a lot uh, over 300 maybe more than 350 completed transcripts thanks to this project which is amazing um so there you go check out my website for the entire episode archive and for loads of other things Uh, The episode archive on the website also contains loads of other content, like episodes of other people's podcasts that I've been invited on, YouTube interviews with me, and so on. Sometimes I'm featured on other people's shows, and I usually will add a post in the archive so you can listen to it or watch it. For example, recently I was featured in a video with a YouTube English teacher called Keith O'Hare, I don't know if you've ever seen his videos. He specialises in helping people prepare for the IELTS test. IELTS, that's I-E-L-T-S, the International English Language Testing System. Uh, So he helps people prepare for that speaking exam, the speaking part. And he's been doing a series in which he asks other online teachers and native speakers to take a speaking test, a proper IELTS speaking test on video, so you can learn how it's done. Keith is an IELTS examiner. So he really knows what he's talking about. And he so he interviews native speakers and does the speaking test from IELTS. And you can kind of see how it's done. So he interviewed me in December. And it's now available on YouTube. And you can find the link below, by the way. If you're checking the website, you'll see the video there. So watch the video in order to see me taking an IELTS speaking test to learn some of the language I used and also to get feedback from Keith on my performance. I also give some tips for learning English at the end of the video. And I'll be having Keith on the podcast at some point to interview him about IELTS speaking. So that's some stuff that's coming soon. Um, Okay. also on Keith's website, he published some language analysis from the interview. So that's cool. So if you are new to the podcast, a very hearty welcome to you. I hope you stick around and listen to the other episodes too and consider becoming part of my online community by putting your comments in the comments section and maybe taking part in the transcription project. You can find the details for that on my website. So uh, a new year ramble then, a new year ramble, uh, meaning that I'm, I'm talking about the stuff that has been building up in my brain over the holiday period. Obviously, uh, it's been very busy, um, 
with looking after the little one, traveling to London, traveling to Birmingham, other parts of the country, dealing with the general stress of Christmas, but also having an amazing time catching up with the family, exchanging presents, eating delicious food cooked by my mum, and walking in the park to get some fresh air. Normally, I'm podcasting quite a lot during any given week, pouring out ideas or teaching content into my podcast feed. Then I go on holiday and things kind of start backing up a bit. I mean, it feels a bit like a traffic jam in my head with lots of things that want to come out, but the road is closed, you know, so the traffic kind of backs up, meaning uh, I have lots of ideas, but uh, I don't actually get to sort of realise them. So I've been imagining doing this episode and planning the next few episodes ahead in spare moments. And this episode is going to be sort of me pouring those things out onto the podcast. Um, And it could just be, in some cases, me telling a few anecdotes of things that happened uh, during the holidays. So let me let me talk you through what I've been thinking at certain quiet moments when my mind has been able to think about the podcast a little bit. Sometimes, like, for example, when my daughter's having a nap and I sort of have a, a nap too, or just before I go to sleep or something, my mind drifts to what I'm going to do on the podcast when I come back in January. And I think about what my audience seems to like what excites me about doing this, what things I think would be fun or useful for you to listen to. And I kind of turn it all over in my head, planning and thinking about the next episodes and waiting for some kind of inspiration to strike. Normally, I keep thinking like this until I get a tangible idea of what the episode is going to be like. And then it's just a case of preparing for it and recording it. But once I know basically where the thing's going to go in my head, then the rest is just a case of trying to make the vision in my head into some kind of reality. So during the holiday, I didn't have many chances to actually record things, except for a few conversations, but plenty of chances to just think about it all. So, um, For example, one of the things I've been turning over in my head is the order of upcoming episodes and thoughts about the previous ones. So at any given time, I'm sitting between like the episodes I've just published and the episodes I'm planning to publish and sort of how the way I feel usually depends on the stuff that I've just published. That stuff is basically where I am at that point. So if I've published some stuff that I think is good and solid and that people seem to be enjoying, then I'm usually kind of feeling quite robust myself. But if I've just published some stuff that's like, I'm not sure about, and I'm thinking, oh, it's probably only going to appeal to a certain section of my audience, then I tend to feel a bit uneasy until I've published something else, which I feel might appeal to everyone. So whenever I go away on holiday and leave the podcast for a couple of weeks, the most recently uploaded episode gets loads of downloads, right? It just just gets this big boost of downloads. The one that's just sitting there at the top of the list gets loads more downloads than it normally would get. And it kind of stands to reason. The top episode in the list is going to be listened to more because it's there. It's just at the top of the list, so people will click on it. And so if you upload one episode and another one straight after it, right, the first one gets fewer downloads because they don't know it's there. It kind of gets hidden behind the next one, which should be an argument really for spacing out your episodes a bit more to give them time to breathe and for the audience to catch up. So, you know, that if I was giving advice to podcasters, I would say upload regularly you know, upload a lot, but do leave do leave a gap after each one because it, it gives the audience a chance to actually sort of feed on it properly. But then again, as a podcaster, you want to keep uploading regularly to keep the interest up. For me, I tend to just upload whatever I make and I try to give enough time for people to notice and listen to all the episodes. And there are those times when I go on, away on holiday and everyone can catch up. But uh, I do have to consider which episode I will be leaving at the top of the list when I go on holiday. And also, I need to consider which episode I um, publish uh, just before that, too. And uh, so December was an example of that. I published the Christmas episode, which was um, 29 awful Christmas jokes explained. And that was the official Christmas episode. And then quite quickly afterwards, I uploaded a couple of Star Wars uh, episodes and some premium stuff. And so I thought, I bet that Christmas episode just got lost and that some people didn't really notice it or listen to it. Whereas the Star Wars stuff is probably going to catch a lot of attention because it's sitting there at the top of the list. So sometimes during the holiday, I was worrying a bit 
because the last two episodes I uploaded, except for some premium ones, were about Star Wars Episode Nine, and that's not really a fair representation of what I do on this podcast. I do talk about Star Wars, admittedly, when it comes out, but normally I'm talking about other things. So I was thinking, oh no, people are going to get the wrong impression. Also, I was stressing, because I think the last episode, number 633, in my opinion, is not that great, because I couldn't really remember the plot of the film, and I was kind of umming and ahhing a lot, which I don't like to do on the podcast. Uh, If you remember, I went to see Star Wars 9 and came straight home and recorded something about it and then realised I couldn't actually remember or work out what had happened. It's a very confusing film. So I wasn't completely pleased with that episode. And also not too pleased it was the episode at the top of the list for all those new listeners. But I still... I still wasn't done with Star Wars because it has become something of a tradition that at Christmas time, James, Dad and I go to see the new Star Wars film. And this is the fourth time that it's happened. So there was The Force Awakens in 2015, Rogue One in 2016, The Last Jedi in 2017, and then The Rise of Skywalker in 2019. And the tradition also includes a long rambling podcast to dissect the film afterwards. So James and I duly went off to Birmingham. Dad stayed at home this particular time. But James and I went off to Birmingham on the train to see the film, had a beer afterwards, and chose to discuss it all on the podcast. The result, I think, is very funny and hopefully quite interesting for you, and I'm much more pleased with it than my previous spoiler review. Anyway, I thought to myself, I can't wait all that time. You know, like something like three weeks, like upload two Star Wars episodes, wait three weeks, and then upload yet another Star Wars episode, which is nearly two hours long. I thought, I can't do that, surely. So even though that's recorded and done, I've decided to uh, record this episode first, which is why it has taken so long. I also uh, have already edited, like I said, and prepared the James and Luke Star Wars discussion, which will go up quite soon after this episode appears. So I wonder if this New Year episode will just get (laughs) smothered by another Star Wars episode. But then there you go. So it will be there. So all you Star Wars fans can check it out. And then we will continue with podcasting as usual. More about that later. So what about the Christmas and New Year holiday? What did you do? You might be asking yourself. Why would you ask me in your own head what I... So Luke, what have you been doing? You ask yourself, which is a strange thing to do. But anyway, what have I been doing? Well, um, let me just kind of... What's, what am I going to do here? Essentially, what I'm, what I'm doing here on this podcast for learners of English now is giving you a series of anecdotes and descriptions of a holiday with a little child. Okay, so you can see it like that, that I'm essentially telling you some stories and stories are great for learning English. So here are some descriptions and stories. So my wife, my daughter and I travel to the UK um, about the 21st of December, first to London and then to the Midlands where my parents live. And we spent just over two weeks away in the UK. Um, as I said before, on New Year's Eve, I was actually recording. Uh, I was actually with my dad and we decided to do a podcast from 11pm until midnight when the year ended. I'll mention that again later. Um, so yeah, traveling to the UK, my wife, my daughter and me. S- traveling with a toddler. A toddler, that is a child. So a child is first a newborn baby and then they're a baby. And then when the child starts walking around, they're not really a baby anymore. Instead, we call them a toddler. A toddler is a a young child who's sort of recently started walking. We call them a toddler. Um, So let me tell you what it's like taking a child on a plane journey. All right. So traveling with a two-year-old child, what's it really like? Or traveling with a with a, maybe an eighteen month old child, what's it really like? Now you've probably all, many of you will have children, and you know exactly what it's like. Some of you don't though, and you you will only experience it from the point of view of a, of being another traveller. So you'll be another traveller on a train or a plane or something, and there'll be a eighteen month old kid somewhere nearby and they're probably just an annoyance to you or you'll look at it and you'll think I can't imagine the stress and difficulty of that situation so yeah it can be pretty tricky definitely Um, let me tell you about it Uh, for me I think that years of helping drunk friends in nightclubs to get home you know just sort of being an escort for a drunk friend on a night out that's gone wrong Years of that kind of New Year's Eve type experience, that has really prepared me for traveling with a toddler. 
Uh, little kids or babies are a lot like drunk friends on a sat- on a Friday night when you think about it. They fall over a lot and they might hurt themselves. They're liable to just suddenly run into the street uh, or do similarly dangerous things. They sing like hooligans. They might s- just break down and start crying at any moment. And they could easily piss themselves, shit themselves and puke on themselves all at the same time. And they're quite rowdy, annoying and loud too. And you don't really want to take them on a plane. And it makes them a liability in things like queues and in the confines of a seat on a plane surrounded by other passengers. So, I mean, you know, I've had some preparation. But, um, okay, describe taking a a toddler on a flight with just one person. So when when you're traveling, when it's just you and the child. With two, it's better. When it's you and, like, your wife or husband and the child, it's better. Two adults even though you have more bags. But with one adult, it's quite tricky. So I'm going to try, try and describe what it's like. And actually, this is what I described to Paul recently, my friend Paul Taylor, who you know from the podcast. Uh, we were talking about this recently. He's got a child as well who's about six months old. And this is what I described to Paul recently because he can't imagine flying with his daughter because she's very small and she cries all the time. And he thinks it would be a huge operation to travel somewhere with all the equipment and baggage. Like he hasn't been back to the UK since his daughter was born because he thinks it would be too difficult with all the equipment and baggage that you need for a child with the travel cot. So you've got the cot and the um, and the mattress for the cot. You've got a car seat, the pram, bottles and devices, the cleaning stuff and nappies, spare clothes, and then all your stuff too. Paul can't imagine it. And he's sort of when I told him this recently, he kind of listened wide-eyed as I explained it to him like this, because some of it's a bit crazy. So, okay, so here's the stuff that I take. Let's say I'm flying from Paris to a Birmingham International Airport with my daughter, okay? And here's the stuff that I would take. So I take one large suitcase, and it's really big, a massive suitcase with all our clothes, uh, bottles, powdered milk, powdered cereal, the wash bag, thermometer, Dolly Prant, which is paracetamol in France, books, toys, her pacifier, which is the dummy which goes in her mouth when she sleeps, her doudou, which is a French word for a teddy bear or comforter, her sleeping bag, my computer, my podcast stuff, which means obviously my recorder, all the cables and microphones and stuff, leads, microphones, recorders, the pram itself, the waterproof cover for the pram, because don't forget we're going to England, Uh, a bag with food, drink, snacks, a bag with nappies, wipes and a towel, a change of clothes, some cartoons downloaded on Netflix as a last line of defence, colouring books, pencil, sticker book, storybook, maybe a farm animal, a book for me, which I will never read, passports and of course my daughter. So a pram, which is foldable, a huge suitcase, a backpack and my daughter and me. We take a taxi to the airport, Uh, It's expensive, admittedly, but it's just a much, much smoother and more efficient way to get this show on the road and to get to the airport. The taxi, you order one from G-Set, G7, and uh, you can order one with a, a, a child seat in the back. And if you don't take a taxi, it's basically taking a metro, walking a lot, then onto the RER the Aero Air, which is basically like the, the train network, many, many lifts and corridors and horrible air. The taxi option is amazing as they drop you right at arrivals. So you cruise through the terminal like a sort of huge articulated lorry. You know, a lorry, like a big truck articulated with like several um, trailers behind it with like joints in the middle. So a huge articulated lorry with the pram in the front my daughter probably sitting forwards and kind of looking around, taking it all in. And then me holding the pram with one arm, with my backpack on, and my other arm dragging the huge suitcase behind on its little wheels. So it's like a huge convoy, a huge articulated truck moving through the airport. We go straight to the display, of course, to check the departures. And then probably something like to Area C to queue up and check in the massive suitcase, which could easily be overweight. At this point, uh, Junior, and I'm going to call my daughter Junior from this point onwards, uh, is sitting in the pram and probably demanding to be given the passports to be held. Um, So she loves to hold the passports. And this could be her outstretching her hand, and she normally goes, "Uh, uh, uh, uh," like that, with her hand outstretched, pointing at your pocket and saying, hand, hand. 
in French, or even some kind of mangled version of passport. She might be saying, passport, passport. And if you don't give it to her, she might suddenly start crying and making a noise. And so obviously you have to give her the passports. So she's being very insistent and we're surrounded by silent queuing zombies. So I give her the passports and just hope that she doesn't drop them. She's normally pretty good at holding on to them because she knows that they're important, which is why she wants to hold on to them. Normally, I don't like to give her important things like that, you know, because she might drop them or something. I don't normally like to give in to her insistent sort of pleading. You know, if she's not asking for something, I don't always give it to her. But in this situation, to kind of prevent her from having a meltdown, I will give her the, the passports. And she's normally good at holding on to them. But she has dropped things in airports before. Maybe the last time we were going through the airport, she was holding on to her doo-doo, like a teddy bear that she sleeps with, her comforter. And after walking for a while through the airport with her in the pram, I noticed that, let's call it Bear, okay? Bear was not with us anymore. I was like, where's Bear? And I went to to my daughter. I said, where's Bear? And she kind of looked around herself and then just kind of went, huh? Like, oh my God, where's Bear? Like, you know, this is like worse than losing your phone for her. You know, she's like, oh God, where's Bear? So we wheel backwards and retrace our steps, both of us scanning the floor for, for this Bear. And I see him on the floor in the distance, lying next to a wall, slumped over. And a woman is picking him up and having a look. And she's a member of staff. And other people are gathering round and I just kind of get there in time and explain that the bear belongs to my daughter and that they are and then they are reunited and all's well that ends well. Everyone sort of laughs and maybe waves at my daughter and she says bye bye and maybe she says something like Assi, which is a combination of thank you and merci. That's when she says thank you. It's Assi. So there's the A from thank you and the the C from merci. So it's Assi. Sometimes she says thank you, sometimes she says merci, sometimes she says assi. And by the way, her languages are coming on quite well. She spends most of her time in French during the day at creche, but at home it's mostly English. Her French has come on quicker than her English as she has certain phrases like encore and we oui and celle-là, like we, meaning that one. But the last two weeks she was in the UK really boosted her English. First, we spent some time with my cousin Ollie, Uh, who you might know from episodes of this podcast, and his family. He's got three kids now, one of whom is a couple of years older than my daughter. uh, And uh, the other one is the same age as her. And they speak English. So it was a real boost for her there. So then with my parents and my brother, it was all English for quite a long time. And her English really improved. She was saying things like, and that, um, which is quite a big step, I think, you know, using a that kind of language and that you know um because before she was saying cella in french and also you know things like please thank you bread nice happy bird tv farm and also the word beetles which i'm very happy about also a few other sentences that i can't really remember now uh she also babbles a great deal in a weird alien language and makes up songs with nonsense words and sometimes she sings like a hooligan while she's standing on a chair Anyway, so I gave my daughter the passports and she gave she can then give them to the woman behind the counter, which is quite cute and a good way to ingratiate myself with the Air France woman so I can try to get a better seat, maybe with nobody next to us. So she does her, uh, her best and finds one for me. So the Air France uh, woman actually finds me a seat with a spare seat next to it so we don't bother anyone on the flight. And I do find that Air France are pretty awesome in this kind of department. Also, my bag turns out to be 26 kilograms and the limit is 23 but she says that she can see it's for both of us so she lets me off too which is nice and then basically it's operation get to the gate and also operation energy cancel or maybe operation energy drain so operation get to the gate basically means getting through all the stuff like passport control so we've given the big massive bag that's been checked in. And then we have to get through all the stuff like passport control, security, duty-free. And then we have to set up some kind of base from which you can send out the child on exploratory missions to research and discover everything in the general area. Um, that can be difficult because you have to deal with another queue going through passport control. And then you get the X-ray security, which actually means taking everything out of my backpack, separating all the baby food and water for the milk, take the little one out of the pram, fold it up and put it through as well. I mean, not 
fold it up, meaning fold up the pram, not fold up the little one. Like, just, there you go, darling, fold you up and put you through. No, I mean the pram. So take uh, Junior. I said I'd call her Junior. I've been calling her the little one. It seems a bit weird to call her Junior. That's what I wrote in my notes. But anyway, take her out of the pram, fold up the pram and put it through as well, and then kind of coax my daughter to walk through and pretty much command her to stand in one spot while you get everything off the trays and your belt on and keys in your pocket and everything. She's normally very good, actually, um, in that situation, because you tell her, stop, wait there while I get all this stuff. And she normally will wait there. She's very good. But then usually there's a fight because I want to get her back in the pram, but she's not having it. And uh, there's the usual sort of fighting. She's very good at Kung Fu and she's able to push my hands away. It's pretty impressive. And she arches her back so I can't fit her in the chair. And she goes, no, 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 like that. And sometimes she does this wailing scream or she makes like a kind of car alarm noise. All of them are horrible noises and that's not the sort of thing you want in an airport. So it's very difficult to sort of fight against her. So I eventually decide that sometimes there's no point struggling with a kid who doesn't really want to do something. So we agree to walk. I push the pram and she sort of follows along and I have to constantly give her pointers like this way and come on and come on, we've got to get to the gate. And she goes, gate. And I go, yes. And there's plenty of me saying, no, stop. Don't do that. Don't touch. No, no hands. No, no, no. That kind of thing. And then she might get the idea and she points at something and go, no, no, no. And it's like, yes, come on. I try not to say no too much and to always explain to her. I try to explain to her what we're doing and to involve her somehow too. So we keep going and I get her to push the pram, but it gets a bit tricky when we get to the big hall with all the gates because there are loads of distractions and also large open spaces. There are the, there are the arcade games and she always wanders in among the games of Street Fighter and FIFA and Pac-Man and I have to go and grab her, pick her up even though she doesn't want to go and carry her, explaining that we have to get to the gate to then find some water for her and sandwiches for me. So we get in the queue at Pret-a-Manger, which is a kind of sandwich place you can get lunch. Leaving the pram over there, keeping one eye on the pram while my daughter is wandering around the sandwich fridge, picking up salads, and I'm telling her to put them back and to come here. And she kind of wanders around. But generally, she's quite cute and nice, so people don't get too annoyed. And she she wants to use the card machine. She's always trying to, you know, play with the card machine. She wants to hold my credit card. And basically, she wants to do anything that means that she's involved in what's happening. And I find that if I involve her in what we're doing, then she's much happier. So if I say, you can carry this or you can take that... It's usually a lot better that way. Normally, it's pretty good, to be honest. The whole airport experience is normally fine. But sometimes it can be quite difficult following her around and picking her up as she kicks and screams if she doesn't want to go. But usually it's fine because I've explained exactly what's happening and she tends to like that. I explain a day or so before that we're going to fly to the airport. She's got a little book about the airport. We look through the book and I explain that we're going to be flying and I do the motion of a, of a plane in the sky with my hand and she knows what it is and so she does it too and she kind of goes, fly, fly. She has trouble making F sound, like F. So she can't say fly. She goes, fly, 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 like that. And maybe she says plane or maybe avion, which is the French word. So she knows what's going on. And sometimes she goes, do, with her hand in the air. So she knows what's going on. And I've tried to explain that she needs her seatbelt. So the seatbelt is always in the story. So we're going to go to the airport and then we're going to get on the plane. And then you're going to put on your seatbelt. And daddy's going to put on his seatbelt. So now she's okay with seatbelts. And she even says seatbelt, seatbelt when we sit on the, the seat. Then there's usually, before we get on the plane, there's usually some running around after we've found our base of operations at one of the chairs next to the gate. And then it's like Operation Energy Council. Energy Council? No, it's Operation Energy Council or Energy Drain or something. The main aim here is to burn off as much of her energy as possible. And usually this involves running alongside her, going, run, 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 run. And she gets really excited and giggly and runs along with you, looking like Super Mario. Run, 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 run. We do that up and down, up and down until she's pretty tired or we have to queue up for the plane. And um, this bit might also involve lunch, depending on how much time you have. And sometimes lunch is done on the plane. In any case, lunch is always more like a drug that you give to your child than an actual meal. You know that when you've given them lunch, they'll probably fall asleep 
about an hour later. So lunch is more like a sleep drug that you apply to your child um, so that you can have a break. In fact, all meals, including milk and food, are, are more like drugs that you give to your children. You know, it's, they're more like just sort of mediums for giving them nutrients and vitamins and, and hopefully making them fall asleep. So the, the aim is to make her tired on the plane. At this point, it's difficult to keep everything under control because I have a heavy backpack on my back uh, full of podcasting equipment and kids stuff, a folded pram over my shoulder and my slightly hyper daughter investigating everything and kind of giggling or pointing at things. When people start queuing for the plane, I like to hang back until almost everything is, uh, until almost everyone is on board. So I like to wait for everyone else to queue up first before I get in the queue. So why would you want to get on board early and spend even more time sitting in that cramped little seat? I prefer to wait until all the stressed out people have struggled with their bags before sliding in at the end while everyone else watches you get on board and my daughter walks along the aisle looking at everyone. I have a huge backpack and a pram over my shoulder, so I'm probably bumping people in the arm or in the head if I turn quickly. So I have to shove some bags out of the way to push the folded pram in the overhead locker. Then it's Operation Distraction, which is also subtitled, I Hope She Goes to Sleep. And there are basically six levels of kid on a plane, okay? Let me take you through the six levels of having a child on a plane. Level one means she's distracted by something quite wholesome, like something quite good, like she's distracted by drawing, stickers, reading a book. This is the second best thing you can have with a child on a plane. She's quite happy to sit on your lap and to pick up stickers and to put them in places. It's quite cute. I also don't care at all if she puts stickers all over the seat or the magazine or all all over the plane. I don't really care at all. It's not a problem. If my daughter isn't making a fuss, it's all good. She can stick stickers anywhere she likes. I might have to try and ingratiate myself with the person next to us, like maybe a smile or just by talking to my daughter and hoping she does something cute or asking my daughter to say hello. You know, that kind of thing usually works. So level one is doing an activity and that's the that's the second best thing. I wonder if you can guess what the best thing is. Level two means walking up and down. And this one is vital for when level one just doesn't work and your child has some pent up energy. So I walk her up and down the plane and also let her hang around at the end near the weird little shelves in the kitchen area at the end of the plane. And that tends to use up some energy and stop her kicking the chair in front or complaining or making a police siren noise, as we established earlier. So level two is kind of like a bit of an energy drain situation. Just walk her up and down. Maybe she'll get tired. She won't get bored. Level three, and this is when it starts to get more tricky, is changing the nappy. Now, this can be quite a big operation depending on whether it is a number one or a number two, and if there has been some kind of leak. Now, a a number two nappy leak can be serious, like a kind of the the leak at a nuclear power station. It's that kind of dangerous and, you know, potentially disastrous. If you get a a number two leak, you know, it's kind of going to make the newspapers kind of thing. So obviously the worst possible one is a leaked number two, which can be sort of Armageddon in the underpants. And uh, it can be really tricky to deal with in a plain toilet, as you can imagine. Um, You hope to hell that there's a baby changing table. And if there is, then my daughter hardly even fits on it. She's tall for her age. Anyway, I put her on the table and she's a bit freaked out, but she's very curious about everything in this grotty plain toilet and wants to touch it all. And I'm desperately trying to do more kung fu to stop her touching everything. And then you change the nappy, making sure that she doesn't touch it. And when you and then you use loads of wipes to clean everything up. Meanwhile, your ass. So that's my ass, by the way. You and me in this story. Your ass is pressed up against the unit behind you. Your left shin, the hard part of your lower left leg, is pressed up against the edge of the toilet, and your head might also be pressed against the curved ceiling in some planes. It might also be necessary to change her clothes, which is why it's vital to bring the other outfits. So that is level three. It can be dramatic. Level four is watching a video on your phone. And this is a sort of fallback position which might help you to get to level five. And level five is the best one. Now, it's not ideal 
because you don't really want your child to be watching a phone for any length of time. And sometimes she tries to play with the phone and she ends up going into your emails or photos or tweeting some sort of uh, inappropriate, politically incorrect tweet, which could end your career and see you being cancelled in 2020. So you don't want your daughter going through your Twitter feed and stuff. But it can be a great way to pacify a child who is being boisterous. By by boisterous, I mean sort of physical and a bit energy energetic. We tend to show her Babar the Elephant. Do you know Babar the Elephant? It's basically like Downton Abbey for kids, okay? Babar the Elephant is basically like Downton Abbey for kids. They're essentially exactly the same thing. In fact, it's, it's better the other way around. Downton Abbey is like Babar the Elephant for grown-ups, okay? It's... it's um, it's basically the same exact thing. Babar the elephant is very cute and they have adorable Canadian accents. So uh, level four is showing her some Babar the elephant, which is not really a sustainable position because the longer you let her watch videos like that, the, the worse a mood she will be in at the end of it. So you hope to get to level five or you hope at least to get to the end of the flight uh, or at least you, get, you hope to get to mealtime or something else that's going to take over. Level five is what you're hoping for at all times when you're a parent. You always want your child to be asleep. That's just like the perfect situation when you're a parent. For some reason, you can, you know, you plan to have a child and you bring them into the world. And then basically all you ever want them to do is just sort of go to sleep. So you can just have a break. I'm kind of joking a little bit, but level five on an airplane is 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 fantastic. And this is blissful sleep when you can just take a break and even have a nap yourself, which is the thing that you've been craving all this time, ever since you were woken up at 6am by her crying and requesting milk. Um, she wakes up at 6am and then you take her in bed with you and she sort of kicks you and falls asleep until 7am when she starts wailing for milk like a heroin addict. And then after she downs the whole bottle in about two minutes, she spends the next half an hour kind of rolling around and kicking in a half-asleep trance, maybe in a bad mood, before sort of waking up and immediately giggling and playing around. So getting the chance for a nap later in the day is just sensational. Level six, then, is the worst. Level six is meltdown. There are actually different stages of meltdown, of course, but this is what you're trying to prevent at all times. So meltdown can involve wrestling in your arms, refusing to cooperate, pushing your hands away so you end up doing that weird Chinese kung fu together, wailing and crying loudly, police um, police sirens or car alarms going red and tears coming. Sometimes this develops into a full-on raging demonic possession, which is like frothing at the mouth and stuff. But that has only ever happened once. And that was on the Eurostar in the evening when she was really tired. And we thought she would go to sleep, but she didn't want to sleep and all go into the pram. And it was like the exorcist or something. Anyway, normally it's a mix of like levels one to four, which is basically okay on a plane. And then there are more cues, giving her passports and then fighting with her to get in the pram and possibly failing, waiting for the huge bag and then going to meet my dad, get her in the back of the car and drive. And she always falls asleep within the first two minutes of the ride. Bang! You can you can spend the entire morning, including that one and a half hours on the plane, desperately working on ways to get her to sleep. And then she doesn't. And then in the back of the car, within two minutes, bang, asleep every time. So I'll talk a bit more about my daughter later, including some details about her English and her bilingualism. I don't normally talk about her this much, but I did spend loads of time with her this holiday, so it's all pretty fresh in my mind. I'll come back to the subject of my daughter and her English specifically later on, and I've got some recordings that I made uh, during the holiday period where, you know, she's speaking a little bit and babbling some some sort of weird alien language a little bit as well, so you'll have a chance to do that too. You know what I'm going to do here at this point? I'm going to... um, I'm going to stop here. This is going to be the end of part one. So this is going to be a double ramble. This feels like a good moment to stop. So the first half of this episode was kind of about the podcast and about learning English and kind of, you know, reestablishing the aims a little bit. And then the second half was a few stories that hopefully you've enjoyed listening to, whether or not you're a parent. In the second part of this, which will be episode 635, I'll be talking about New Year's resolutions 
I'm going to be talking about my Christmas presents, the big Christmas present that I got from my wife, which I'm very excited about. I'll be telling some more stories about my daughter, uh, talking about her English. So I'll be talking about bilingualism in a child and specifically uh, reporting on my my daughter's uh, progress with English. You'll be able to listen to um, a recording of her speaking. And I'll go on to talk about the upcoming uh, episodes of this podcast uh, the next uh, few episodes that are going to come up, I'll also play. Uh, play no, I'll also pay tribute to a hero of mine who died on the 29th of December. That was Neil Innes. So I'll talk about him a little bit, and that will be all in part two. But for now, that's the end of part one. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed listening to this new episode for 2020. And as I said earlier, get into the comments section and just leave your comments. It would be nice to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a new listener and you listened all the way to the end of this one, then well done. That's that's very good, very impressive. I wonder if it was a challenge or whether or not it was all rather smooth and enjoyable for you. As I said, leave your comments in the comments section. I'll speak to you again in the next part, which will arrive very soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.